Blog Talk Radio. Upon us. Uh, we have a great show tonight for you folks. We're going to probably go the full two hours this evening because we have a jam-packed all-star episode. I would even say this is some of my favorite people on the web are on the show tonight. And one of my oldest heroes since I was a little girl calls in bucket list item covered, ladies and gentlemen. So, But first things first, let me introduce my sexy witches for the evening. Sexy witch co-host number one. She's located in Eugene, Oregon. She's my aspiring filmmaker, a published writer, currently writing for Living Dead magazine. She's also a horror film fan, regular participant in live action role plays. Look for her wolfy attitudes at Gen Con, her personal writings on her popular blogs and YouTube. Please welcome to our show my sexy witch co-host, Queenie Todd. Oh, hi, everybody. Hi. Hey, sweetie. It's been a long time since we've talked. How you doing? Yeah, um, I've been up and down, but mostly up because it's Halloween, man. <laughs> oh, Halloween. This has been a really fast month, as busy as it's been. I can't believe we're already to Halloween. It just kind of, suddenly it's here. It's over. Uh, oh. I, I can't believe it. But I'm so glad okay. we're going to get to talk a little bit about it beforehand. Um, oh, okay. So how's, you, how's Eugene treating you? Like, what have you seen anything good recently you should talk about? Um, Actually, I did. I saw Crimson Peak, and it was pretty amazing. Um, Del Toro doing what he does best. And it's it's not horrific, per se, but it was a really good story. Like, I really enjoyed the story. I really enjoyed the acting. And, of course, the scenery is just phenomenal. It's so gothic horror. If you love gothic horror, check out this movie. 
I've been hearing mixed feedback from it. Some people are, a lot of people are like, it's very pretty, but there's not much to it. I still haven't seen it, and I'm going to keep an open mind about that. But, uh, you know, but you, you're you on the definite, like, you liked it side. Yeah, because it was very reminiscent of, like, Hammer films and, you know, movies of that period. So if you're not into that period of horror, you're probably not going to like it. But if you love things, and, and um, horror books, too, like Dracula, like, you know, classics. It was very classical. Well, um, great. I'm so glad, and, and a lot of people in the madness have been seeing it. Uh, I actually got blindsided and had to put my madness aside for a couple of days. But uh, there's a really good reason for this. Um, <laughs> so, of course, you know, we have our title here, Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches. And, well, yeah. obviously we are the sexy witches, but there's also another <laughs> part of that title, and that's the archivist part of the title, which is actually based on my real job. I work for the National Archives and Records Administration in College Park, Maryland, and today I had a major, major interview, and probably, I don't know, even know if I'm going to get it. I don't care if I get the job or not, it, in, this, in the sense that it was like an Oscar nomination. Okay, you're just honored to be wow. get the interview. I got to interview today for the first tech position, brand new position, opening for the Obama Library once he's out of office. So I would be the, I, I get to actually move the documents from one part of the world to the other and help set up the brand new library. That's about as geeky as you can get. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. wow, I, got the, I, I, I must look good on paper. I got, the, I, uh, I got the interview. I had the interview this afternoon. So I didn't even do any madness work, Queenie. I just was working on that. Yeah. So, uh, but I did have time to get the sexy witch show together at the last minute, and I'm going to bring on my other sexy witch now. We got to bring her in because she's not one of my regulars, and I first of all very honored that she agreed to do this. So, first of all, let me give you her a little bit of an intro. I was going to play Black Magic Woman, but I changed my mind. I'm playing Suspiria now, so we're still on a sexy <laughs> witch kick here. So. But this sexy witch, she also is a West Coast sexy witch queenie. She re resides in San Diego, and she works for KPBS San Diego Public Radio. You can listen to her on the Cinema Junkie podcast and join her for her screenings at the Film Geeks at the Digital Gym Cinema. They just did this thing on Film Noir, I believe. That was pretty cool. Uh, and if you just want to see her casually, just go hit San Diego Comic-Con or any other geeky uh, event happening in the L.A. area. I guarantee you she's walking around the hall somewhere, probably even knows my cousin. They probably know each other, don't even realize it. So please welcome to the show film critic and sexy witch of the Southland, Beth Accomando. How are you doing, sweetie? I'm doing well. How are you? Fine. Welcome to the Sexy Witch Show. And once again, thank you for being on. And before we get into our topic, we always say, please introduce yourself because you obviously are new to the show. And I would love you to give a plug of what you do. But also, uh, have you seen anything currently you want to plug about the top of the show? Like any, like, you know, she just mentioned Crimson Peak. Is there anything you want to, you've seen recently that you think people should go out and see, like, as soon as the show's off the air? Well, I've been in a bit of a deep hole recently because this is Halloween month, and I build a home haunt every year for the neighborhood kids. And this year I bit off a little more than I can chew. It's not witch-related this year, but we're building the Star Wars cantina at my house, 
And um, we just, I just got uh, a bunch of costumes and masks, and I've been painting. And I haven't seen a lot of movies except for old ones. I've been watching old um, horror stuff recently. So um, I don't have anything, like, really current to talk about that's horror-related. But I've been watching uh, recently some of the Hammer horror, because we are planning a year-long tribute to Hammer at the uh, Digital Gym Cinema starting in January. So I've been brushing nice. up on my hair for... Oh, go ahead. And working on my and... podcast and working on my podcast, too. And in fact, this coming Friday, I have a one that's really fun, which is I've asked a bunch of people, famous and not so famous, what the first film they ever remember scaring them was. And it's amazing how many of them have been scarred by Disney, but um, <laughs> it's, it's a nice... Range. I'm really impressed by the diversity of films that people have mentioned. Although there are a big cluster that talk about The Exorcist, but um, people have talked about films like Ken Russell's The Devils as being the first film that scared them, or an old Outer Limits show. So there's a lot of, of different stuff, but it's amazing how vividly people remember that first scare they got in a the movie theater, and how for so many of them, that's what kind of hooked them on horror. I know that did it for me. So, I would really have to think about what the first one that actually gave me a scare was. I know the first horror film I saw, if you counted it as one, was King Kong and Bride of Frankenstein. I almost saw. I think I saw those at the mm-hmm. same time. I actually put them in the same box that way. But I honestly don't know which one truly scared scared me, like terrified. I know that Alien. You don't remember your first one of nightmare. You don't remember your first nightmare from a movie? No, I don't have nightmares oh. when I watch a movie. I always have happy dreams when I watch movies. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I only had one dream about Freddy Krueger in my entire life, and I was happy I had it. So, But I'm also a weird, sex, crazy, sexy witch here. So, you know, but I'll have to get back to you on that one. Queenie probably has an answer. For what? <laughs> what? Like first film no, that scared you? Films that yeah, scare first... me? <laughs> no, no, the first one. You remember the first one? The first movie that ever scared me. Okay. I was like two years old, and it was the first Halloween movie. Michael Myers freaked the hell out of me, and I had nightmares for like a week about him. But then I went and watched more horror movies, so I don't know. I have a sickness. <laughs> The other thing it helps you. I think for me, it was like my I, my parents took me to a lot of inappropriate films when I was little, and they Great. I got scared when I was like three and four of films. But then it was kind of like this thing where I was like, okay, I want to see something even more scary. Like I want to try this again and see if it'll still scare me. And plus, you know, getting scared like there's that little adrenaline rush, and it feels kind of good because you know you're in a safe theater. You know nothing really bad's going to happen. But, like, it feels good to get that little rush of adrenaline and, and that fun introduction to horror. So I know that. I'm positive that seeing that stuff when I was little and having nightmares when I was, like, three and four is what set me on a course to love horror the rest of my life. <laughs> Same here. Oh, but I, I also started from a different perspective. My parents were hardcore science fiction and fantasy nuts. So I was mm-hmm. introduced to most of those films first. But, you know, talk about inappropriate. You know, people are like, you can't watch horror films of that age. Have you seen those sword and sandal films? Did you see what they were wearing or what they were doing? Uh, you know, uh, but, but I was thinking the first thing I can remember, like, scarring me scare me. 
first of all, Darth Vader was there because I was four. I thought Darth Vader was one of the scariest people I've ever seen. Darth Vader's probably. But then the other one, did you ever see the original Land of the Lost? The The TV show? show? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I watched watched it first run, and Grumpy scared the crap out of me. He was the, the stop animation T-Rex that always attacked. Like, like, he was random. Like, the story didn't even have to do with dinosaurs that day. It was some weird science fiction guy with some weird lights on his head. And then, like, suddenly out of nowhere, Grumpy just attacks it. You know, and he's a big T-Rex. I remember that scaring me to half to death. But loving it at the same time, because I absolutely adore dinosaur movies. And I love creature features to this day. So it must be related. Must be. Anyway. I digress, but so uh, we're talking about so uh, thanks for coming on, and I can't wait to hear about your Hammer programming when you get it together. Uh, a movie that does scare me in the Hammer uh, uh, catalog was their their remake of The Mummy. I think is terrifying. Uh, so that movie scared me as a kid quite a bit. I was pretty terrified of that movie. So. Uh, when he comes out of he comes out of this like mud and tar and it's just disgusting. <laughs> so, um, do you remember the? Are you gonna maybe show that one at your show or uh, do you have a uh, there's preference? There's a good chance we we're looking at either doing one or two films a month. So if we get to do two, it'll be 24. We might, mm-hmm. you know, that's definitely up there. I know I have to show Curse of the Werewolf because I had a huge crush on Oliver Reed. Oh, but who doesn't in the sexy witch? All of us sexy yeah. witches love Oliver Reed. I mean, there's just no uh, way you can't love no. Oliver Reed. He <laughs> terrified me. Talk about a performance that scared me. It was when Bill Sykes and Oliver. There's someone that scared the crap out of me. But that's definitely <laughs> yeah. that's not a horror film. Not a horror film, though. <laughs> so, but I'm weird. I, I get scared at the weirdest things. Like someone asked me once, what was the scariest film I'd ever saw? And I told them, Wag the Dog. So, I mean, <laughs> that was, you know, I'm a nerd. What can I say? <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, but we're here tonight not to talk about scares per se, even though I'm sure more scares and more horror will definitely come up. But we're here to talk about the most important subject. We talked about archivists already. So let's talk about sexy witches, why we are here. It is Halloween. Happy sewing, sexy witches. We are here. So, uh, you know, I don't talk about my actual pagan um, sexy witch true roots that I have because honestly it's the the title of the show is a shout out to cabin in the woods but I am a sexy witch so let's talk about sexy witches uh, and and um, first of all it's an odd stereotype and I wanted to know as women and I'm use it too I'm using that's one of the reasons why I kind of do it tongue-in-cheek how do you feel about the sexy witch ter- stereotype um, you know what do you mean that what well, well, for me, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, per se. It's just like any other stereotype in horror. I mean, we have a ton of stereotypes going on in all all the horror genre. Um, and women tend to get the whole, we have to be sexy to be noticed kind of thing. But um, personally, I like witches, whatever shape they come in. If they're ugly or sexy or whatever, as long as they're powerful and they represent what I feel witchcraft's about, I'm cool with it, you know? Um, what about you, uh, Miss uh, Miss Beth here? What may I call well, you? I would 
I, <laughs> you can, well, you can call me a cinema junkie. That's my name. So you can just call me, hey, junkie. No. <laughs> but um, for me, the stereotype, I think, um, you know, stereotypes abound, and it all depends, like, how the filmmaker decides to use it. But I think the point at which it tends to annoy me the most is, and this tended to be, like, on a lot of TV shows, but when you have kind of, like, the, the cute teen sexy witches and they're oh, you know, yeah. and stuff. I mean, some of that TV stuff. Um, but, you know, I don't mind the sexy witch where it's this notion of, you know, there's that duality where you need that sexiness to seduce a, a victim or something or to fool people into thinking you're something you're not. Um, so, you know, I think if it, if it cops out to the stereotype, it's not a good thing, but if it uses a stereotype kind of as the jumping off point to play with, uh, I think it can be good. Yeah, like, um, I like uh, homages, or, sorry, homages to uh, yeah. witches, you know, like um, Lords of Salem. There's a good example. That's, like, totally an homage to all the really bad uh, films of, like, the, you know, 60s where they had, like, naked witches everywhere, you know, doing evil magic because they're totally into Satan. You know, it's totally a homage to all that stuff. I oh, like that. man. That's fun. Why did you bring up Lords of Salem off the bat? Because though? I like that you movie. Know, <laughs> oh, but you know how I feel about that movie. I, I know. I know. That bring movie. it. Come on. Bring it. Oh, okay. I mean, uh, first of all, most of it has to do not with the actual plot itself. A lot of it has to do with the absolute misuse of location. Why do you shoot in Salem and Marblehead, one of the most beautiful locales on the East Coast, and not use locale? I don't know. But that's another story. Uh, I don't mind when they play with the true story of the witches from 1692. I, I, I have no problems with that. What I do have problems with is not no follow-through with what they're intending. And I felt the movie is a lot of no follow-through. Uh, and matter of fact, if you read the book he wrote afterwards, he put all the stuff he wanted to put in the movie in the book, and it made a whole lot more sense. Uh, all of it. Um, it was much more, much more violent. A lot more things happened. A lot more people died. And I know death counts don't matter in horror if it's well executed, but it just felt like it just felt limp to me, especially considering the amount of people that were in that movie. There is a great cast in that movie. One of my yeah. favorite cinematographers shoots that film. It's a Trost film. Brandon Trost shot that movie, who did the SP, which is actually in. Uh, in the Southland of California, that's what FP is, uh, you know, so there's a lot going for it. And I even like a lot of Rob Zombie's movies, but I just felt the whole film pulled its punches way too much. So, Well, I didn't know about yeah, the see, book, so now I'm going to go look for that. <laughs> yeah, no, the book is really, I like really it, good. <laughs> really, really, really good. Like, like okay, uh, uh, spoilers. I don't know. Beth, have you seen Lords of Salem with Rob Zombie? Yes, I did. Not okay. really a fan of it, but and part of my issue is that Sherry Moon Zombie wasn't really. He used her way too much. I like. I was really happy with the casting of the three actresses as the witches. It was what like Dee Wallace and Meg Foster and Barbara Crampton. Was that it? I can't remember the three. Yeah, but really, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. they're in our sexy witch that, gallery on our webpage. Yep. Yeah, so that so, was that was the part I enjoyed, but other than that, no, that film. 
first of all, the radio, another thing, as a radio geek myself, I hated the sequences on the radio. I thought they were so phony and so <laughs> fake. So that was another problem I had. And, and the witch expert, which was supposed to talk about the Salem witch trials, goes, well, about... I don't know, about 18 people died. And I was like, wait a minute, no, we know exactly the history behind that. 19 people killed, blah, blah, blah. You know, I just, there was a lot of laziness, I thought, about the whole thing. And I wish, it, but then, like, he fixed it in the book. So uh, maybe he was being held back by um, the studios or something, because uh, I've seen him go all out. Uh, one of my favorite films to come out in the last five years is a movie called The Haunted World of El Super Bisto, which was directed by Rob Zombie. Brilliant, gruesome, inappropriate animation. Pete Paul Giamatti's in it. Uh, Rosario Dawson's in it. Uh, it's just hysterical. And, uh, and so I love him. I just, that film frustrated me. And then, Queenie, I validate you liked it because it's very pretty. And I don't even think yeah. Jerry Musaka oh, yeah. was that bad in it. So, and I even uh, liked the music in it. Like, I found it very uh, unnerving. I liked it. So, but but oh, no. they are strong, sexy witch women, and I do appreciate it. I, the, the, there's one stereotype in the sexy witch that I don't always like, and it is that the it's a, it's a motivation for why she's a sexy witch. Often there's this whole thing about beauty and youth, and the whole reason why they suck the lives out of other people is to keep themselves young forever. And you I think mean, that's kind of focus? a co- yeah. It's like you know, well, no, no, the Sanderson sisters is a little different. No, I'm talking about like. Uh, Trying to think of like you know just a tip of the kiss is a good example of that I think uh, okay. so uh, but you know it it, it it that actually works out because it's actually really funny but you know but sometimes they just that's the only motivation Sanderson sisters have a lot more than living forever they're trying to come back to life no but they, they started off trying to suck the lives of children for yeah. you that's how they started yeah. Well, that is true. So, but eating little children, that's a different story. I'm talking about like, you know, that's like <laughs> the only reason the character exists is because they are young and want to live forever. They don't have any other motivations whatsoever. Anyway, I, but it doesn't, it can be executed. It's not what you tell, it's how you tell it. So I, I'm not going to go down that road because I love more watching sexy witch movies more than not. I mean, um, my favorite sexy witch movie is, is probably Witches of Eastwick. I would actually say of yeah. all the sexy witches, that was the one when I saw it in the theaters had the biggest effect on me. So, um, and, okay. uh, I'm you know, I'm a big thing for the craft. The craft? <laughs> so all, right. It. <laughs> all right. I want to go back a little further to pick mine. Back okay. to 1942, Veronica Lake and I Married a Witch. That was also mm. what inspired the Bewitched show. But Veronica Lake, I think, is one of the sexiest most adorable witches we've had in movies and she was a lot of fun oh yeah no she's beautiful oh, and i would also shout out bell book and candle and ken novak in that vein too mm-hmm. wow i mean stunning women and those are cute little fluffy little films i like both those movies so um <clears throat> so that's a good choice uh, she's oh ironically it's amazing uh so um i was going back i was trying to think all the sexy witch films, if you go to the Facebook page, you'll see we have the sexy witch gallery. And the initial, our, our inaugural class was Elizabeth Montgomery and Jessica Lang, because Jessica Lang was just in Coven at the time we started mm-hmm. the, de- designing the show. 
So uh, uh, Elizabeth Montgomery was probably my first sexy witch. I would almost guarantee it, watching Bewitched on television with my parents. Um, you know, but then, of course, when I was 12, my mom came out for real. Uh, so, uh, and then suddenly sexy witches had a whole new meaning. Uh, so, okay. Um, folks, uh, I'm going to give you a topic, and I have to step out for a minute. So, uh, what would you like to uh, – let's see. Uh, why don't you start about Christopher Lee and the Wicker Man, and I'll be with you in just a minute. Oh, there's a good place wow. to start. <laughs> that, that, that brings up the whole pagan ritual thing. Wicker Man is, actually is one of the films that a number of people mentioned as the first film to scare them, and I can totally see that because it's – it kind of it's one of those films that kind of totally changes courses during the cor- as you watch it. I mean, if you go in knowing yeah. nothing, it comes at you initially, which is one of the things I love. I love films that totally set you in one direction and then take you down another path. But it starts out really as kind of a you know police procedural. Thriller mystery. mystery. Yeah, Yeah, there's a gun girl that's missing, and this very, you know, upright and upstanding Edward Woodward plays, you know, a police officer coming out to this little island, and, you know, you think you're going in for this typical kind of police mystery, and then it takes such a wild turn. Yep. Things just get weird. I, I adore it because, first of all, Edward Woodward, even though the man, the character, totally has a stick up his ass the entire time, which gives them ever so slight license at the end to do what they do, right? But at the same time, you root for him. You actually want him to, like, solve this mystery, and you follow him all the way to the end. And when you get there, you're like, wow. And then you have Christopher Lee delivering his probably he said it was some of his favorite dialogue he's ever given, mm-hmm. which is the very end of that movie. And yeah. uh, uh, it, I, I had no idea that they made films like that because you know once my mother came out of the closet, I had a lot of questions about it because I hadn't come out of the closet, broom closet at this point. I didn't even understand that I was in a broom closet. You know, I, I just like suddenly my mother like changed massively, really, like what. And I was like, whoa, what's going on? And then I, like, started research, and my friend goes, you got to see this movie. Sit down and watch it. And I sat and watched it, and I was absolutely stunned. It's the closest I think we ever got to a true Wiccan movie, but still misses the mark completely. Uh, <laughs> so, Hollywood just can't make a good Wiccan movie, you know? Yeah, well, it's very difficult, you know. Uh, you know, the craft got close. I'll give them that. It did. Uh, but, but then you know, had to go all, it, like, crazies <laughs> well you have i think it is because you still have to throw all the magic in because people want to see the magic part you know yeah, if, if people were just praying over candles for two hours i don't know if people would really like that so but the thing that bothered me it was like the troubled one she's the bad witch that stereotype bothers me because i the bad was the troubled one as a kid i was you know living in a home where I was getting abused, just like Nancy. So I projected myself onto the character of Nancy. You see the problem? Like, I was a teenager when I saw it. So it was my only witch movie. I'm like, oh, a movie about magic and stuff that I believe in. Cool. Oh, wait. <sighs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy is up in an insane asylum. Oh, shit. <laughs> 
I, I always thought that any was a slight cop out, but uh, you know, yep. I can fly, I can fly. It's like, but that's that's typical for most horror films in general, though. Finding the ending for your movie, you know. So I don't really. But, I actually. I don't think craft is a horror movie, though. <laughs> well, that's where really. the Wicker Man I think works really well because that one did have a great ending. Because I yeah, think most Andy, people were completely surprised by where that went. And it was the terrible, but so in good. appropriate. What? And what it, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. We all got excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, what were you going to say? You didn't like the end? No, I love the ending. Are you kidding? Oh, okay. Burn, burn Edward Woodward, burn him to the ground. No, 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 no. Burn him, uh, burn him. <laughs> burn him. No, actually, I, I actually, no, no. What I was saying is that it, that ending is, 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 it packs a punch. And yes, it is, it yeah. is a, the antithesis of most other horror films that don't know how to end their film. But here you got the film that the ending actually holds up all the places where it loses its focus earlier. Because it depends on which yeah. cut, of course. The longest cut is the best cut, still the best cut, but it still languishes. And, and there's also quality issues with the actual film. But they finally re- made a nice, crisp cut that he was taking, that Hardy was taking around the United States showing it. And I, never, I didn't get to see that. I was really bummed. I really wanted to see that when I came through. But I have the, uh, the CD, DVD box set that came out in the 90s, and it had the original when they first found the final cut, and it's the only DVD I own that's ever appreciated in value. We should point out for anybody who may not be aware of it that the remake of The Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage <laughs> is to be avoided. Well, okay, you don't have to avoid it, but don't go in looking for gems, okay? <laughs> there are scenes that are fun to watch, though. Like, ah, oh, the bees, not the bees. Like, come on, that's hilarious. Well, yes, that is. But and you have to punch, watch the YouTube. Punch. Only, only on YouTube and watch the condensed version. It's, you don't have to watch the whole movie. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, uh, you know, uh, I was already against that film before it even came out, and then like, oh my god, no, it's just not. Yeah, it's not good. But how to get burned? Um, how to get burned? Okay, uh, I'm going to bring so in, I have, I have a, someone on the line, ladies, and uh, it's actually my guest for this, uh, for this hour. So I'm going to go ahead and bring this gentleman in. He really needs no introduction because he's been doing his thing since 1973. As long as I've been alive, this man has been horror hosting here on the East Coast. And uh, when he was no longer on TV, he brought it up on, on YouTube, and he is a hero in a lot of people's eyes. And so please welcome to the show one of our last true great horror hosts, uh, a regional horror host in the country, Count Gordeval. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing wonderful. I called in because I'm looking for some sex. I mean, sexy witches. <laughs> well, we might be limited on the sex, but we certainly have sexy witches. So welcome, you're on with Queenie, Beth, and Liz. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing wonderful. I've been listening to the show for the last uh, 20 minutes, and it's been very, very, very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how do you feel about sexy witches and movies along those lines? I'm sure you have a few favorites over the years. Oh, yes, the, the, the Wicked Witch of the West. I, I thought the wart on her nose was absolutely incredibly sexy. I, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Of course, I'm kidding. 
Uh, actually, I was going to raise the question that you probably discussed it a little bit earlier, but here's my question. You know, I've, I've, I've been doing some, been racking my brain, and I guess the question came about when did witches become sexy? I mean, in Salem, they certainly weren't sexy. No, they weren't sexy. I'm trying to think when did I first discover the sexy witch stereotype. And the earliest film I can think of is Black Sunday with Barbara Steele, who is a definition of sexy and witch. Uh, So, uh, but I'm not really sure. What about you, Beth? You've been doing your research recently. I mean, Veronica Lake was 42, 1942. She was pretty sexy back then. Oh, well, yes, she was. So, and, um, so, and I'm trying to think if there was anything earlier than that. But I think, you know, well, part of what feeds into that is, I can't remember when Bell, Book, and Candle came out. That was in, that might have been around the same is, time as Black Sunday. But I think part like, of the thing uh, is, is that, the witches are both appealing and repelling at the same time, so that notion of a sexy witch, I think, was probably probably something that came up early. I would even think, it, it, well, let's see, I'm trying to think, Pilgrim's Progress, which is an old book, no, I don't think there are sexy witches, and the Salem <laughs> Witch Trials, those weren't sexy witches at all, um, so I don't know where that came from. I mean... <laughs> But I think it's about female empowerment and, and all those typical things that we talk about when we talk about sexy witches. I, but, I, I got a funny thing for you. It wasn't a female witch that got me into sexy witches. It was a sexy male witch. Julian Sands. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn. Oh, what uh, film Julian, was that? Warlock? Warlock. It was a 1989 movie. That's correct. I'm looking at his face right now in our Sexy Witch Gallery, Julian Sands. Yeah, so, uh, you know, well, definitely. And then, of course, we already mentioned Christopher Lee and Lord Summer Isle, who's also definitely a Sexy Witch. So um, Barbara Steele, we loved her. Um, Yep. Trying to think of uh, who else we go back in time to see. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the wonderful. You know, I have to defend Margaret Hamilton. She may not be like the definition of the sexy witch in that way, but sexy witch (laughs) is not about being sexy and a witch. It's a mindset. And if any girl had confidence, it was friggin' Margaret. <laughs> it was the Wicked Witch of the West. We love the Wicked Witch of the West. She scared me. She might be the first best. She might be the first person that got yeah. me into horror. Was was because you know what's scary? It wasn't just her. It was when those feet crawl under, roll up, and go under the house in Wizard of Oz. That shit's scary. That's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about what about Glinda, the Good Witch? She was kind of oh, terrified of her. I was going to, I was, <laughs> ladies, I was going to, I was going to, I was going to ask you about Glenda. Why is it? Why is it that? Why is it that that Margaret Hamilton? She 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 was the Wicked Witch, and she was dressed in black and had warts and all the rest of this good stuff. And then the the Good Witch is dressed in white like an angel, and floats around. And it's, isn't this stereotype just so disgusting? Yeah, <laughs> I agree. She was a little too goody-two-shoes. I've learned to 
accept the Halloween tips stereotype witch in my life. There was a time where I'm like, well, that's a stereotype. And I was like, you know what, though? I love Halloween. I love being scared. So I just end up embracing it. Now, Billy Burke was, my mother was named after Billy Burke, which I thought always thought was kind of interesting. So uh, Billy Burke was a major influence on my life. But, you know, what's scary about her is the stare she gives, like this blank stare. And, you know, if you watch the movie, <laughs> that woman is the reason why Dorothy is having so many problems. It's not, it's not the other woman has a complete real reason to be upset you just dropped a house on her sister and here this witch comes in puts her shoes on this little innocent girl saying she's protecting her but you know that isn't the case i bet you if she just took the shoes she would have laughed you know i I always blame glinda for the whole thing it's her fault and she could have sent her home anyway it's on the first case she just like she goes oh by the way you had to believe me what you could have sent her home in the beginning Argento movies and the you know the oh. the, the, tr- the three mothers right 
they were all sexy witches as well, and they're not very nice people. Uh, so. <laughs> so what? So if I understand this correctly, sexy witches can be nice or they can be evil, but in either case, they're hot. They have yes, to be. Yeah. Well, they have to be <laughs> confident. Pretty much. The, the confidence, yeah, pretty much. The, uh, sexy and confidence go hand in hand. So they have to be confident, sexy witches. One of my favorite sexy witches, and she's not hot, is Madame Mim from Sword in the Stone. Absolutely. Oh, sexy Madame witch. She's, she's confident. <laughs> she knows herself. She knows she can battle Merlin head to head. Badass. So I, I have her in the sexy witch gallery as well. So, um uh, also, one, another sexy witch, if you want to go friendly, would be Angela Lansbury in Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, and which leads me to an argument that my uh, my sexy witch who's not here tonight, Erin Marie, was asking. She wants to know if we count Mary Poppins as a sexy witch. So I'm going to throw it out to Gore. Do you consider Mary Poppins a witch or a sexy witch? Oh, my. Now you're putting me really much on the line. You know, I hadn't given any thought to it, but do you think about it now? Yeah, possibly. I mean, you know, it's been a long time since I saw the movie, but, you know, yeah, she may be. I'm hedging. <laughs> well, but, yeah. oh. so, yes, do you think, yes. What about Beth or Queenie? What do you think about Mary Poppins? Do we count her? Um, she does magic, but that doesn't mean she's a witch. She could be like a wizard. She could be, you know, from Hogwarts, for all I know. Well, well, well that's what, that was our theory. We actually figured she was yeah. in the division of magical miladies because that's what she goes around doing. She fixes people that yeah. have magical spell problems, like Uncle Albert on the ceiling, right? So she goes right. to a nanny's house because it's a good base of origin, and she can walk around anywhere in London, and she moves on when the wind changes, right, and goes help somebody else. That was the theory. So she's not, but, you know, is she really a sexy she's witch? She's definitely then? Gryffindor. <laughs> you think she's Gryffindor? Maybe. I she's think she's really, Gryffindor. Well, you think she's, she's Gryffindor? Uh, maybe Gryffindor. I, I, she's definitely not Ravenclaw. I'm a Ravenclaw, and she's way too prim and proper, and I just don't shut up. So I know she's, she's not, not Ravenclaw. Slytherin enough. So. I'm telling you, from a Slytherin's perspective, she's not Slytherin enough. Uh, yeah, the prim and proper gets I'll, in the I'll, way I'll of the sexy. Obviously, she could not be portrayed, obviously, as a witch, or Disney couldn't have touched it. But Disney's yeah, done witches the, before. But they were all evil at that point. Mary Poppins was kind of a departure for the, for, the, for the studio at the time. Remember, he had to lobby her for years and years and years to get her to give up the rights to, the, to Mary Poppins. So, um, sure. you know... You know, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, but Disney uh, gave no, gave us one of our first witches in you know Snow White, and the story yeah. was that the the witch scared so many kids at the Radio City Music Hall that they had to reupholster the seats because their kids were peeing in their pants. My my father <laughs> goes. My father goes, talks about going to see Snow White when he was a kid, and he said when she changes from evil queen to the evil witch, it was one of the most terrifying moments in his life. So I would actually believe that. So, um, uh, you know, but she's not my favorite. Maleficent was my favorite, but I don't consider her a witch. She's a fae. But she gets put on the witch list a lot, and I always get kind of annoyed with that. I don't know why. Uh, you know, who cares? <laughs> she's still beautiful and confident. So um, let's she's see. definitely I'm powerful. 
oh, yeah, well, you know. But she also, once again, it wasn't her fault. She's just mm-hmm. one corner of the of the four corners. It's actually the other fairies. It's completely their fault. And they need to own up to the problems and the crap they put that poor girl through. So, Eric. anyway. <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always against good fairies. I don't know why I don't like good fairies. I just want good fairies. Go away. You guys cause problems. You're a little stuck-up Madonna's. So, but, so you're definitely unseely then. This is slightly off the topic, I think, but the, the, the fairies are included. And so I'm just curious, how do you all feel about the ongoing thing of Once Upon a Time on ABC? I'm curious, how do you feel about this? Oh, I, I started um, watching it, and I liked it, but sometimes it just... Too softball, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Like I haven't had a chance to see it. Yeah, they they I have a chance to watch... do certain things. Sorry. No, go ahead, Queenie. Okay, so they they had a chance to do certain things, some really dark, cool things, and that seems like they always pull away. But I haven't seen enough of it. Like I saw like two seasons of it, so maybe it gets better. I don't know. But from well, what I saw, yeah, I I'm saw like, Regina's awesome. Like, she's this creepy, beautiful queen of evil, and then later they kind of strip her of that by making other people more important. And I'm like, uh, okay, I guess this person's evil now. <laughs> well, there's, uh, a lot of, Regina. there's a lot of evil people. I mean, I get, yeah, Regina's wonderful, but I, after two seasons, I kind of went, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I was like, yeah. hello. Like, uh, there's too I many evil people. Finished, I finished season two. Liz? Hello? 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 Okay, I can hear you guys. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Two of you. We lost Liz. (laughs) Oh, no, no. No. Maybe she'll come back. I hope so. Cast a spell and bring her back. What to do, like a witch chant? Um, Bubble, bubble, boil and trouble. Bubble, boil and trouble. (laughs) Fire, burn and cauldron. No, 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 no. no, no. coming? Liz, come back to us. Oh, she sent me a message. Phone problem. Okay. She'll be back. <laughs> She'll be back. So I guess, uh, hey, everybody. <laughs> tech, tech, technology strikes again. Okay. Yeah. So what are your feelings about uh, the show? Once upon a time. Well, if you're talking to me, I like I said, I, I thought Regina was so cool. I mean, she, she has... Uh, just all the good reasons to be evil, and she plays it so well. And, you know, I mean, she is just the most fun character on the show. Everyone else is just wimpy by comparison. But they, And the problem is, they, you're, I think someone mentioned it, it was right. They don't let her to go far enough. I mean, they stop her after pulling out hearts, and that's, you know, okay, come on. Uh, you know, I mean, they keep wanting to show a good side to her, and, you know, it's, Really not there. I, I would, lo- I would love to meet the actress who plays her. I, I, I would just, I just love. I, I keep looking for conventions to go to where she's, she's there. Uh, I've, I've talked to a couple of the other actresses who are, who have done not regular but semi-regular appearances on the show, and they say that she really runs that show on, on the set. So it's like I, I just love to meet her. She's such a commanding presence. Like, I really feel that she captures the the kind of classy witch, you know? 
Like she's just oh, yeah. her costumes are amazing. Like oh, uh, I don't know if I could wear what she's wearing, but damn, <laughs> <laughs> she wears it well, good. Well, 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 well. What, 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 what is it she's wearing that you couldn't wear? I'm, I'm curious. I, I didn't well, like she wears she was... a lot of corsets, and I love corsets, and I'll do I'll do them every so often, but I have to be careful with them because of my back. But yeah, ah. like, I used to wear corsets all the time, though. Back in the day, when I was a young witch. Yeah, I, I was I was just watching the first four minutes of uh, Ash versus uh, whatever it is tonight, and he wears this great corset right at the beginning. Ah. It just oh my god, that's <laughs> awesome. I haven't seen the show yet, but I saw that in the preview. I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, great. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's great for embracing that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, he's so funny. Now, he faced a few witches in the course of Ash's yes, he has. adventures. Yeah. <laughs> and in the Army of Darkness is the one that comes to hey, mind. Hey, guys. I'm back. Welcome what are back. doing? Oh, well, what you, you know what? First of all, Ashford I apologize. Okay, uh, I'll need to catch up because I have no idea what you guys said. Gore, are you still there? I do apologize, sir, but we were having too good of a show. We had to have some kind of technical difficulty. That was just what happened to happen, you know. So I'm back. So please, recap me. I'm listening. Evil Dead. I love that show. What is it about? There's no sexy witches in Evil Dead. No, but we were talking about Bruce Campbell wearing a corset. I mean, <laughs> oh well, that's There's that's fine with me. Army of Darkness. Army yeah, of Darkness. Well, there, right, there is. Oh yeah, that's right. There are sexy witches yeah. in Army of Darkness, technically. Oh, that's I, right. I, call it I love that. I don't mind her roles. <laughs> oh yeah, we're. Actually, uh, don't mind the dick. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of funny, though. Unfortunately, because of rights things, they cannot touch any of the subject matter from Army of Darkness. Um, okay. I, I was listening to an interview with uh, with Bruce, and he says, yeah, we can do Evil Dead, but we can't do Army of Darkness because the lawyers have said, no. So if you guys want to do Ash, you got to just don't, don't touch anything in that movie. So they had to be very, very careful about how they approach that. So they're not traveling back to medieval times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Aw, that's too bad. Well, maybe they'll change their mind before because there'll be a huge thing, and we'll have ten seasons with Bruce Campbell, and he'll like get younger every season, and, and uh, uh, so and that's on that that's on Stars this weekend, is it not? Premieres yep. the, the new show. Oh, right? right. Yeah. Have how have you seen the show yet, Gore? No, I, I, I saw the first four minutes. The first four minutes are, they've released it to the general public, and the first four minutes are, are you know, they've got him, you know, getting ready to go on a date. They've got him putting on his corsets, uh, showing how, how now he's looking and feeling real good that he's sucked it in, and the putting his hand on and going to a bar and picking up a woman and banging her in the ladies' room, and that's as far as it goes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he good is time. the man god. Oh my God, Bruce Campbell is is my hero. I love him. I got to meet him at Horrifying. He was actually my first horror convention. He was the reason I was there. And my husband, bless his soul, stood in that line for three hours to make sure I got the signature. Well, I went to everybody else and got all theirs. I went through the entire room, including Dan Costarelli's line for the Phantom reunion and all the other Evil Dead people and all the Donald Dead reunion. And I met Pinhead and I met Kano. 
Carter, and I met all these people. I did all these people, and there was still a line for Bruce Campbell. And I got back in line, and the guy goes, by the way, we're cutting off the line. And they cut off four people behind me. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I love Bruce Campbell. I, I was like, it was a big deal. And I'm like, I, I made him sign my Army of Darkness poster. I actually have the one sheet from, from my movie theater job. So, can I, can I can I share a Bruce Campbell story? Oh, please yeah, absolutely. do so. <laughs> uh, you know, again, it was at a he was at horror. We we I, I worked with him three times at Horrifying, and uh, this was I guess the second one. This was at the Hunt Valley or the third one. This was at the the second time he was there. It was at the Hunt Valley Inn, and uh, it was like a Friday night, and uh, the the celebrity room had had closed and uh, I had something scheduled that evening that I had to go do and I had I had a little time to grab a quick bite and uh and so I I you know I was I, I the bar the restaurant was full the bar was was overflowing and but there was this this table uh, that was kind of sitting out there in the hallway between the restaurant and the bar and if you know the Hunt Valley Inn uh They've got. If you're at the restaurant, you can you can look out the restaurant and see the bar uh, through the the thing. Anyway, the bottom line is I'm sitting there, and I'm I'm quickly grabbing a quick bite, and you know I just want to eat and get out of there. And I you know I'm suddenly looking in my peripheral vision, and there's this hulking figure coming out of the restaurant. I'm going, oh, it's a fan. I love fans, but I want to eat. I want to go. I need I need to move. So I'm trying to ignore this this shadow getting closer and closer. I'm I'm just dreading what's going to happen next. And I'm I'm just about to take a bite, and these two big hands grab me on the shoulders, and it goes, "Hey, Count, it's good to see you." And it was Bruce Campbell. He had been eating in the restaurant. He saw me and came over to say hello. And I just went. You want to talk about a fanboy moment? It was like, oh my god! <laughs> it's like I was wow. battling. <laughs> I was Love at that man. convention. That was the convention I was at where I met Bruce Campbell. So uh, it, that was an amazing freaking convention too. It spoiled me for life. And you're you're responsible yes, yes. for that partly. Uh, so uh, I wanted to also give a shout out, Gore, before I let you go, because even though. I, I called you on because I'm a huge hero. I originally grew up on the West Coast, so my introduction to horror scene was Bob Wilkins and, to a lesser extent, John Stanley. But because you're still around, sir, and you were in there with them, I'm so honored that you're on the show with me, and thank you for doing this today. Uh, I I can't... I can't even express what it is to geek out and have a true horror host like yourself on the show, sir. So thank you so much. And please, uh, I know that you um, just came off a spooky movie um, uh, hosting there, and I know you have a few other things coming up. So please talk about that stuff, too, before you head out for the day. Well, the, the the big thing for me coming is coming up is this weekend. It's Halloween. Of course, Halloween only falls on Saturday every five, seven or six or seven years, depending on the late leap year. But anyway, uh, so yeah, we get we have the most incredible. I'm hosting a twin double feature on Halloween at three thirty in the afternoon. We're going to show. The Wolfman with Lon Chaney Jr., and we're going to follow that with Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, which, of course, has yeah. all the universal monsters in it, including at the end, and I'm, this is going to be one of the trivia questions, 
the Invisible Man shows up with the voice of Vincent Price, and it's uncredited. So that's at the end. Ooh. We're going really to take a short. Yep, yes, we just showed that. We just showed that here in San Diego. That was fun. Yes. Uh, so we're going to have that as a double feature. Between the movies, we're going to have uh, – uh, we're going to have, in particular, we're looking at probably having a lot of kids in the afternoon, so we're going to have a, a kids' uh, costume parade, and we're going to have some contests. And then at the end, I'm going to go out and, and uh, I'm going to play the Easter Bunny, uh, and all the kids can have their photo taken with me out in front. So, okay, that's cool. Then we're going to take a break, and then we're going to have the uh, adults come back at 7.30, and we're going to do uh, Frankenstein with Boris Karloff, followed by my hero, Bela Lugosi in Dracula as a double mm-hmm. feature. So so we're going to have – that's my Halloween. But I can't, what else can I say except it's going to be awesome? It sounds, it sounds awesome. awesome. Wolfman. Sounds great. Wolfman's like my favorite films. Uh, I just we did Blobset's show earlier this year. Myself, Quainy, we did, and uh, we talked about Frankenstein. Uh, Evan Costello makes Frankenstein. That was like the last appearance of Bela Lugosi as Dracula, if I remember right. So it's an important it film his, in its it, own right. Yes, it was his last one and his second one. That was only the second time he appeared as, using the name Dracula. So that was that was another one of those little trivia things. Oh, by the way, just for those who are sitting there going, well, where's this going to take place? It's going to be at the AFI Silver Theater in Silver Spring, Maryland, in suburban Washington, D.C. So that's where that's going to take place. Um, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be cool. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. And then um, you know, and then just hanging around and uh, looking around for some sexy witches afterwards. <laughs> well, you're in Maryland, so the sexy witches are spotty, but there's a few of us around, so we will look for you, and and I'm sure, Gore, we will see you again in person sooner than later. So thank you again, sir, for coming on the show. Please cost the show anytime you want. If you just want to call in and just plug something randomly, I'm totally for that. So thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank well, you. thank you. And thank ladies, you. thank you for letting me join you on this evening. Uh, it's been delightful. Talking with you and listening to your conversation, and I will kind of fade off the phone, but I'll continue listening because it's a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. A lot of fun with you. And may all your blood be warm. Have a great Halloween. (laughs) You too. So that was my sexy vampire horror host, Count Gore Duval, calling in. And Beth, I, are you going to stick with us, or do you have to go as well? I need to return to painting my haunt. <laughs> well, I want to say, first of all, I completely support that you're doing a science fiction haunt this year because I'm in, do- I'm in the middle of a contest right now called The Madness, and normally it's about horror hosting, but right now I'm doing a special marathon bonus if you watch all these certain Star Wars movies because uh, Don Boyega is in the new Star Wars movie. You also have to watch Attack of the Block. You get extra points. So, uh, you know, I actually think Star Wars is appropriate for Halloween because how many times did I become Princess Leia? You know, when I was growing up. All you need for Princess Leia is a white dress and a uh, empty uh, uh, roll of wrapping paper. That's it. That's all you need. Then you have a lightsaber. You're good. So well, we are going to um, be cutting off 
Panda bar- Baba's arm every time the kids come to the door, and Han will get to shoot Greedo. No first involved because yeah. there's no second. Han only shoots. So there you have it. <laughs> are, are you going to post photos? Because I really want to see this. There will probably be some photos on Facebook, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Please please tag me so I can share them on the Sexy Witch page because I can't wait to see it. And do you have anything you want to plug coming up? Well, um, I just want to plug my um, podcast, Cinema Junkie, which you can subscribe to on iTunes. So I have new reviews and interviews every week. So if you subscribe, you can um, catch that. And it's only a couple of months old. So um, that's the thing that I'm really trying to get people to tune into and check out. Did you ever get your marquee? No, we just got our matching funds. I, I help out at the Digital Gym Cinema, which is a little micro cinema here in San Diego on El Cajon Boulevard. And TCM was wonderful enough to say that if we raised $5,000, they would match $5,000. And so they just gave us our matching funds. And we have um, a meeting. We've been talking to different um designers for the marquee the problem is is we're dealing with city regulations and restrictions on our signage so that's the thing that's been taking the most time is trying to figure first they said like okay you can have a five foot by five foot sign we're like no we want neon up there you have it look gorgeous so um but we're actually having a meeting next week and we're hoping to have the marquee up by the beginning of the year so but it's Uh, it's really exciting for us because we need that to let people know. I'm excited for you guys. When I saw you were raising funds for a marquee, I had to make sure I plugged it. I plugged it on my show. So thank you so so much for coming on the show. And anytime you want to call in, you're welcome to. And please, folks, listen to Cinema Cinema Junkie podcast. They have a lot of fun bantering around. And she works for KPBS Public Radio, folks. Do give money to your local public radio stations because <laughs> they support great geeky film screenings. And, like, if it wasn't for my local stations, I would never have been introduced to Monty Python or Red Dwarf or Blake Seven or it, or the East Enders or any of these awesome shows from Britain that came over and that made us the film geeks we are. So thank yep. you again, Beth, for coming on the show. The Sexy Witches will are very pleased that you came on and guest hosted this first hour. So Thank you so much for inviting me. It was a lot of fun. Thank, thank you. you. And please come back. I yeah. will. Thanks a lot. Great. Thank you so much. So um, right. Beth is going Bye-bye. back to her beautiful cantina in her garage. And, you know, I just don't want to have a beer with her right now. Like it was in the cantina, one of those green things that they drank on Star Wars. <laughs> Do we know what that is called? I don't know what the name of it was, but it looked awesome. No. So she has, she has left us and Gore has left us, but Queenie, we're not alone. No. We got more people calling in. This is, this is the all-star Halloween episode. We need some music for that. So I'm going to bring on some music and introduce our next person. What do you think? Sounds good. I put a spell on you. Because of my Stop the thing.
talk about Halloween and sexy witches. He resides in New Jersey, and he's been doing this live radio thing for quite a long time. He has his own show, the Horror Happens Radio Show, and it comes out live streaming out of New Jersey from 4 till, I think, 9 p.m. on Tuesday. So it ends right before the sexy witches come on. And he was very, very generous and let me have a half hour of his time this year where I went on his show so please welcome to the Sexy Witches, Screaming J.K. How you doing, sir? Ladies, how are you uh, all doing tonight? The show sounds fantastic. Thank, Thank you. you, sir. Nice to hear your voice again. You? Uh, doing great. The show just finished up not too long ago uh, here in the bunker in Blairstown. We had a we celebrated Tales of Halloween. We had. Uh, actresses like Caroline Williams and Graham Skipper on, and we talked with uh, with authors and composers. So we had a, a very full lineup over uh, the four and a half hours. That sounds great. You always have a full lineup, though. I mean, when have you not had a full lineup? You guys have been ah, doing this true. for a very while. I am always amazed how many people you actually know. It's like, what, you're at 600 guests at this point, right? We're at almost 700 guests. In fact, I think another couple of weeks we're at 700 guests in like three and a half years, and you two ladies are among that alum, that dysfunctional family. Well, congratulations we on that. I know I am. Yeah, we, oh, we're, we, we, we are honored to be on your show, and thank you for being on our show. So we, we've been having an interesting conversation, as you know. We talked about sexy witches, definitely talk about Bruce Campbell. I was going to talk about Bruce Campbell anyways, but they obviously uh, saved my ass earlier when I fell off the face of the earth here, and we're talking about it anyway. So let's bring it out to you, JK. We're going to start with what sexy witch is the first one that brings well, what was your favorite sexy witch movie so far like we were mentioning the craft the wicker man and i mentioned witches v swig uh what what films do you think about when i say what kind of sexy witches do you like well, uh, it's an honor to be on with you gals. I appreciate it so much and uh you know it it's interesting because for me, you know, sexy witches really um there's not really a particular cookie cutter for me. I mean, I can go all the way back to Black Sunday and look at Barbara Steele and, and see just so beautiful, that long flowing black hair. And even even in the time where the mask is being nailed onto her face, you know, her presence, her power is just overwhelming and her talent is overwhelming in that film. But it goes across the board for me. You know, you can look at Black Sunday. I heard Bedknobs and Broomsticks while I was listening. Um, that was one of the, the films of my childhood, the early version of uh, of the witch and witchcraft. But it's all over the place. Suspiria is a great one. Uh, Drag Me to Hell is another great one. Uh, Tales of Halloween, the anthology that's uh, out right now, Lucky McKee's segment is uh, a ding-dong. It's got Pollyanna McIntosh, and she's absolutely beautiful and captivating, and she plays the witch from the Hansel and Gretel story. So my love of witches has spanned many, many decades and generations and a variety of films uh, that really show how amazing these witches and how terrifying they can be. 
we were talking about, though, is there any particular stereotype in the Sauchi Witch that kind of puts you off? I said sometimes it's the one about eternal youth, and that's all they really want. They just want to live forever and look young and pretty. And I think that's always kind of a shallow reason to live forever. Uh, you know, I'm going to live forever. It's going to be a lot more than just looking good. I'm going to be, I, I'm going to blow shit up. It's as simple as that, you know, <laughs> you're living forever. But, uh, uh, you know, what, what, what anyway, you, go ahead. You, you are so much better than at this than I am. So, <laughs> well, to be honest, the stereotype of looks has been something that's always bothered me um, a lot, you know, pertaining to wanting to live forever, but also the aspect of, of the insecurity that the witch has to steal from other people, to steal that beauty because of the, the power that drives them crazy. Also, and I, I heard this with the Count, the aspect of the broom. You know, I the broom, I think, uh, kind of puts a negative connotation, a negative light on the witches for travel because I look more for the mystique of it, the, the dark magic that goes into it with uh, them using that to be able to transport instead of using the, the broom. It kind of turns me off to it. And it's funny because, ironically, that's one of the few things that the the Halloween witch gets right because brooms were used in rituals <laughs> you know, yeah. to begin with, you know. But, of course, not like that. I mean, we're not flying no. through the air trying to go surrender Dorothy, but we try, but we haven't still been able to do that yet. Look, I don't really so, know where the uh, flying and the broom came from, but, you know, I know in ritual you use it to sweep sacred space. Like, that's what you do. Yeah, you exactly. But they cheapen well, I, it, though, I, by, by doing that. Instead they do. of using it for, yeah. the, for the actual things, they cheapen it by just using it as a mode of transportation and appearance rather than yeah. putting it in as part of the ceremony, which that, there's so much more to it than, as you ladies put it, there's so much more to it than just being an object to fly with. Yeah. Well, but, you know, also, I would say, though, and I would defend Wizard of Oz, is actually Wizard of Oz hints that the, that the witch's broom is it got more than just flying power. And her witch broom does. If you read the original books, the, uh, yeah. the Wicked Witch West broom is actually is her is her wand, basically, you know. And uh, so there are some places sometimes that Hollywood gets it right, or at least they have enough shout outs that you recognize it. So I wouldn't say it's always a bad thing, but you know, at the same time, like I said, I've learned to kind of embrace the flying witch broom thing because you know, at this point, it's it's a symbol of Halloween, and I always kind of equate it as a Halloween witch. You know, you know, got the Halloween witches, you got pagans like myself, you know, and then you have the weird ones in between like Inferno, who I have no idea what those, you know, those witches are gorgeous, but they're just not nice people, <laughs> as I said before. Let me ask you this, because there's a segment on the three extremes. It's an anthology with some of the best Asian filmmakers uh, entitled Dumplings, Fruit Chan's Dumplings. And um, I know it. that right there, let me ask you this. The aspect of casting a spell or making a potion, is, is that something that strictly has to go by the books? Because I believe that segment right there has to do a lot with potions and witchcraft. The, the ability to I... become younger by using feces. How do you, two, do you two feel about something like that and the perception of it? Well, uh, I think that movies don't always get that right. Um, okay. Sometimes they'll like they'll use things like tongue of dog, literally, and it's like that's not what that meant, as we talked <laughs> earlier yeah. from Macbeth. But like when you're actually doing a real potion, it really depends on the kind of witch. Some witches are anal and they like follow the letter 
of the spell yeah. or brew they're making. I'm not. I'm very eclectic. I'm very um, darkly tinged. So I'll kind of do things based on how I feel, like how 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 this element inspires me for my potion. That's how I work. When it comes to the fruit chan and the dumplings thing, I didn't actually equate it with witchcraft per se, even though I totally validate that you would equate it with that. I was really close to more about the statement of Asian cultures and their really weird uh, health remedies that they create. They create some crazy Mm -hmm. stuff. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. But there's this, you know, a lot of like placebos and really like, or or like rhino horn, you know, they kill a rhino, an endangered species, and they ingest it thinking it'll help them. You know, it's uh, sympathetic. But it is a level of sympathetic magic to eat a fetus and try to take its use. So you could you could go you could arguably say that she is some kind of alchemist or or herbalist some kind. But I, yeah, but I always kind of uh, equated her more with like a a backroom doctor than an actual okay. witch. Does, does that make any sense? Oh, absolutely it does. It and, yeah. and that's another that's another stereotype that goes in with witches is the fact that um you know, it it's very cookie cutter when it comes in Hollywood to the spells and to the aspect of of the items that go around it. But when you see something like dumplings, what's out there, it, it can be open to interpretation. That's why the show tonight has been great because of the fact that you're able to have that interpretation, that conversation about witches, and seeing you know what people see as their perception of it. Uh, you know, it, it, witches are still maligned. Uh, you know, I actually, and I won't get into it because Queenie and I, we actually lost the co-host <laughs> over the word witch this year on this show. So it, it's amazing to me, even in this day and age, you can use the word witch and people will still freak out. And you would think that at this point, you know, we, you know, we, we all know that our stereotypes exist and, and we have to go through, I guess, the pattern with every single minority ever existed. Oh, we got to get past stereotype. But, you know, you would think that, you know, when it comes to witches and witchcraft, it's pretty obvious. We don't fly on brooms physically. We don't, you know, our spell casting is, you know, is, is prayer with intent, which is what it's basically, is. you know, like I said, a real sexy witch movie probably wouldn't be that interesting because it'd be a bunch of half-naked middle-aged people uh, or naked middle-aged people in a circle with candles. Uh, and nobody wants to see that. I, mean, they really don't. I don't even want to see that. And I'm pagan. I really, I don't go to the great rite at all. I've never liked that ritual. I love sewing, not so much when it comes to May Day. Uh, so, uh, but uh, you know, so, uh, sexy witches, and that's the other thing. It is a stereotype because most of my sexy witch, the real life sexy witches I know, aren't. No, Kim Novak aren't Cher. They're not yeah. Diane Weist. You know, they're not Megan Fox. <laughs> you know, yeah. they are. They're more I'm like uh, Kathy Bates. Fox. <laughs> I'm definitely more not like Megan Kathy Fox. Bates. More like Queenie. They're more like, more like Kathy myself. Bates, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, one of my favorite Saturday Night Live sketches, it's about lesbians, but it still kind of works the same way. It's about they have a genie, and one of the guys wishes for a real, like, lesbian sex scene, and two pagan witches pop up eating Ben and Jerry's and are overweight and arguing with each other, with each other and that's exactly <laughs> what pagans are. That, that, to me, is like most of my that's mom's true. friends growing up. 
Yeah, two lesbians sharing, arguing with each other, eating eating Ben and Jerry's. You know, that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's, that's just a normal day for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, so that's the true sexy witch. So, uh, you know, like I said, it's not about looks. It's about confidence. So, you know, Margaret Hamilton is a sexy witch because the girl's a badass. She's owned it. You know, Adina Menzel, same difference. She's a badass. She owned it. You know, she's a sexy witch. So, If uh, if I may say, Margaret Hamilton, um, you know, the stories of what she went through on the set of The Wizard of Oz, the burns that she sustained and, and the things they wanted her to do, even after she took time off from the film to recover, it's remarkable not only how that film got made but also what she went through and came out of it with and she was the second casualty there was a woman before her and she had a severe allergy to the makeup so i you know i uh yeah no you know wizard of oz uh, like is a train wreck that somehow became a classic uh, you know, I, I, I've always liked that. But Margaret Hamilton, yeah, it, and what's even amazing, if you watch the movie, I always say the take that she got burnt on is the one they kept in the film. And you can see the moment where she got burned, if you think about it, because uh, she drops down. You can't see her get burned, but you can see where the flame goes up. It's at the very end of the scene. She got through the entire scene, right, yep. for that take, and, and boom. And that, was like, and that was actually the second take, I believe, that day. Like, she had already gone through it once and went through it perfectly, and then she went through it again, and they kept that take. So I always look at that, and I always think about poor Margaret Hamilton. Oh, my God, put her out, put her out. You know, <laughs> so, you know, oh, my God. And then she stuck with it, and, and you know, and it wasn't just her. All Everyone had problems on that set. Judy had her issues, and, of course, they had drunk uh, you know, uh, munchkins everywhere, and you know, we could go for. We could, Queenie. Maybe we should do a Wizard of Oz show in our second season. What do you think? That would be awesome. That sounds fun. <laughs> I think that would be I'm fun. Okay. We have a whole sec. We have a whole second season we have to plan starting in July in January, but we got and? two more shows before that. So we'll and have I to think, think about that. Is thing there's there's a LARP that's based off of the Wizard of Oz. In the is there a LARP? Really? Yeah. Wow. Yep. It's called um, um, World of Oz, I think. It's called World of Oz. I have a character in it, but I haven't had a chance to play very much because they, they're so way out there that it's hard for me to get to them. But I have a character who plays an immortal, so I'm basically an elf. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's all these tropes, and you can be a witch in it. You could be from, you know, the evil witch, but you have to paint your face green, you know. There's all sorts of cool stuff. I'll let you know about that sometime later. Can I um can I, I throw something in there? Because one thing I haven't really heard tonight, um, and, and perhaps I missed it, I tuned in a little bit into the program after I finished up locking up the bunker, but my question for this is, who are some of the directors that have really um, brought forward projects that have been positive for not only the sexy witch, but just good representations of the witch? And I bring up Lucky McKee again because not only has he done um, the segment for Tales of Halloween, but he's done The Woods, which is about witchcraft. He's also done All Cheerleaders Die, which has uh, elements of witchcraft in it also. Who, between you two, or who are some of the directors that you look at for the positive impact of it? Uh, the first, the one that popped to mind immediately was probably John Moore, uh, Borman uh, and Excalibur. 
yeah. Morgan Le Fay in that movie is is, mm-hmm. is she's not a villain, a straightforward villain. I mean, she is a villain, but she is one of the most complex women as a witch, as a wizard, I've ever seen in a movie. And Helen Mirren is amazing in that movie. And uh, so I would probably say Excalibur and John Borman really was one of my favorite depictions of a sexy witch. So, um... Well, I think, like, movie, uh, witch, witching and bitching or something. Oh, that's movie, yeah, like, last and bitching. year, yeah. That was a good one. Whoever directed that, oh, right. yeah, I'm all about that movie. That movie is awesome, and and yes, and we have a a witch from the sexy in the sexy witch gallery from that movie, and uh, that's what's awesome about the. It's first of all, I love that director. I believe his name is Alexis Vega. Is that right? I'd have to look it up. Uh, It's Alex. You know, Alex de La Iglesias. Oh, thank you, Jay. I knew you have that. I knew it was an A. I couldn't remember his name. I had to look it up. Uh, but he did a movie that I gave the number one film of the year to a couple years before that called uh, The Last Circus, which is absolutely ah, That's a great film. <laughs> great film. And this is his follow-up. And what I love about Witching and Bitching, not only is it an awesome witch movie on so many levels, and they're straight pagans, so and it's not just sexy witches. It's, you know, we've got Venus, Villendorf monsters, and all sorts of great yeah. stuff. Uh, it, it's also a film that has... It takes place in Basque, which is a region of yep. Spain that has its own language. So it's got this whole cultural element to it that's unique as well. And I really fucking love that movie. It gives my fetch, but I do. Highly recommend it. I know Queenie loves it, too. I'm sorry. Queenie, do you, you want to add more to it? Can you help me? Thanks. <laughs> so... Uh, but uh, yeah. Anyway, both those films. I'll put the I'll put both of those films up on my sexy witch page, and you guys should find those films. Well, we so, already have uh, witching and bitching. We have witching. You have witching and bitching. Yeah, yeah, we have Carolina, Carolina Bang as Ava. Because so. Ava's hot. <laughs> <laughs> so hot. <laughs> I'd run away with her. Jeez. I love how the bitching part isn't the witches. The bitching part is men. Yeah. Like, and the oh my exactly. god, and they bitch. And it, and yes, with, they do. It, it really is witching and bitching, and I love that movie for it. I always actually say that probably in the last few years, it's probably my favorite sex, sexy witch movie to come out in the last couple of years. I would definitely think mm-hmm. that. Uh, I agree <laughs> with that. Oh my goodness. So. Um, <sighs> So any other war we were starting to run out of sexy witch movies? We can't be running out of sexy witch movies already. No, no, we're we're only directors of good sexy uh, witch movies. Yeah. Who I are mean, some of the directors? Some of the directors of good sexy witch movies. Well, we can talk about the director of the craft. I actually did want to walk talk about him yeah. for a minute. Uh because okay. he actually happens to be one of my guilty pleasure directors. And that is hold on, I gotta get his name because my brain is just farting. Andrew Fleming. Um he yeah. directed a couple of films. First of all, I actually am one of the few people that likes his remake of Mighty Joe Young with Shirley Storon. I actually thought it was a fun film. So he did some Disney films, but he did a film before, right before Kraft called Threesome, 
with uh, uh, and, and and actually for me going through high school that was one of my guilty pleasure movies. So oh, yeah. I really, really, really love this director. I think he's fun. He's fast. His films are silly, but they're never boring, and that's all that matters to me. So I I really like that director, Andy Fleming, quite a bit. So um, and who are the other? Uh, Whoa, was that me? Was that you? Someone's breathing. <laughs> Who's breathing? Fire. <laughs> it's heavy. Yeah, which is holy crap. Of course, you know there's a is there's a me? witch movie. <laughs> I get excited about witches. What can you say? The, Breck Eisner has a film coming out this week. Uh, the director and he's doing with Vin Diesel, uh, the Last Witch Hunter, which is a yes, sexy witch movie. Hunter. Yeah, that have looks we, like it's gonna be fun. Have, do we have any stupid, buzz on that? Fun. I've heard mixed reviews. I've heard mixed reviews on it. I've heard big budget. Um, I've heard. I mean, Vin Diesel looks like a great casting for this, playing that that role of of you know the 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 hunter himself. But you know, it, it looks to be big budget Hollywood, and uh, thank God it has Elijah Wood because he adds that comic relief and that uh, big presence in a small body. Oh yeah, there there's a. Uh, Vin Diesel though is a geek. I want to point that out right now. The boy is yeah, a geek. He's a so he might. He, he's a larper. He, he likes D and D. Oh yeah, he's, he's a science he fiction D&D nerd. Games. He larps. Oh yeah. He's yeah. one of us, man. You know, he's totally <laughs> he's one, one of mine. So this movie, he, he might pull out. It might pull it off because he understands the genre. I think a lot of times understanding yeah. the genre is is really what makes it different. Like, I actually think J.J. Abrams is going to do fine in the new Star Wars movie because he understands Star Wars. Unlike him yeah. not understanding Star Trek one damn bit and totally botching yep. it. But that's another story. We'll, that's, for, <laughs> that's for two more episodes down the road. We're going to save that, that conversation for later. But I think this movie might be fun. Uh, the, the sexy witch in that movie, her name is Julie Engelbrecht, and she's also in by Shell Sheen. She's, first of all, she is beautiful. I will give you that. But, you know, she's more than that. She's an actress, and she's in The Strain, and, a, and yeah, she's a star in The Strain and a couple other shows. And so we have a, se- a sexy witch we don't know very well. So it'll be nice. To, maybe I'll add her to the gallery. We'll have to see uh, if she's worthy of sexy witch status. So. <laughs> But, wow. uh, so there's another there's another sexy witch coming through. Um, you know we've been talking about directors and women, but we really should concentrate on the boys a little bit more too. Is there any Jay? Do you have a male sexy witch that you want to point out? Well, I heard it earlier in there. Um, Warlock Julian Sands yep. was just incredible. I mean, it, watching that on VHS and seeing um, the presence he put on screen, uh, the aspect of um, uh, of what he was able to do, how they were able to manipulate the effects, and just the just his accent alone really just made you just melt. It, it really fit what you thought the Warlock was, and it just was a great film that influenced me a lot when I was a lot younger. He has such intense hey, eyes. Oh. Yes, he does. Oh, very. The eyes. <laughs> you remember how I was bitching about Lords of Salem, Queenie, earlier, and mm-hmm. his lack of use of locale? Which is, I think, its biggest, uh, you know, biggest uh, insult in the whole film. Uh, Warlock is the exact opposite of that, and is actually how you use a locale because they use some amazing locales in that movie, and they're very recognizable. And one of my favorite locales in all of Boston is the big finale, which is one of the cemeteries where Cotton and Increase Mather are buried. Who, of course, 
were one of the reasons why we have the friggin' uh, Salem witch trials from 1692. And so, uh, you know, so it kind of brought it back to like, you know, so there, there's a film that I think that honors the, the, the terrible time of the Salem witch trials yet completely goes batshit crazy mu- magic with it. And I also love how it brings all the Amish hexes into the story too. And, you know, that's, that is something that we often forget about is the whole subculture of hexes and uh, and the Amish. And, uh, you know, I live not too far from Pennsylvania, so I go up and I buy my hex symbol. You live in Jersey. I know you know you're very well versed in, in you know, Amish country and PA and oh, yeah. going to get our shoe fly pie. And, you know, but a lot of people <laughs> don't know that there's this whole aspect to Amish culture that, you know, and I don't see it very often. It was like one other time I think I saw, I think the episode of Friday the 13th the series had a uh, satanic quilt or something but uh, you know that's about it that's that's my short list of witches and Amish so (laughs) I like how that went off in that direction really nice really nice well done well done I'm just I'm just completely, uh, you know, it's not about going off in directions. It means I just need more coffee because I'm totally ADD and need coffee. <laughs> fair, <laughs> so, fair enough, but I will say this. I was, I'm was i one of the few that I know that doesn't hate the Lords of Salem. In fact, i got to tell you, I think, you. It's his, I think it's one I of thought. his best films he's done. Thank you. I do, too. <sighs> I really like Thank it. You. He could have used, the, he could have used Salem more. That's true. Sure. But, the rest of it is really cool. I love the imagery. I love the music. Uh, you know, I don't even mind Sherry Moon Zombie. I think she's pretty cool in it. But that's my yeah, opinion. I don't her like, best role to date. I, once again, don't think the actors were the problem with that movie. I think it has everything to do with uh, with a script and pulling punches. Because he doesn't pull punches when he, when he rewrote it for the book. He didn't pull any punches. And things that I thought should... There might even be some cutting room floor stuff we didn't get. Because I can't believe, like, how different the book is compared to the movie we got. The other thing is, once again, Brandon Trost, who's one of my favorite cinematographers, shot the thing. Matter of fact, I'm actually backing his current film, him and Jason Trost's current film. That's how much I love this guy, and I wish I loved the movie more. So... While he was, Brandon was on the show, and I talked to Brandon about Lords of Salem, and it's interesting because it was, we talked, God, two plus years after it was shot in, in the canon, you know, there's some things that he was able to recollect about the, you know, the sets and being able to capture the feel and the mood of it, but for me, with Lords of Salem, um, I loved Lords of Salem because of the lack of pulling punches. I liked the fact of the pace it went, how methodical it was. I liked the story. I liked the dread that went with it instead of it being a music video. And I love The Devil's Rejects. I, I love uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. And even the first Halloween, I, I really, really enjoy. But I like the fact that he actually became more of a, a filmmaker rather than a music video maker. And it really showed yep. in The Lords of Salem. And he is not, I mean, I you know, he mentions Salem within uh, the aspect of, um, of of the film. But to be honest with you, how much was actually shot around the Salem area? I mean, you know, he's not someone who is kin to the area and to all that. He might be in the horror, but when it comes to certain things, I've heard that he really isn't into certain things, and that probably reflects on what Lords of Salem uh, came up with. By the way, before I answer about Lords of Salem, I have a movie that you haven't brought up yet. I have a movie. Okay, okay. okay. Now, this is a trilogy by a New Jersey filmmaker, and I, I kick myself for not saying it before. 
the Mary Horror Trilogy, which is all about witches in the end, uh, you have uh, Mary Horror, Sheriff Tom versus the Zombies, and Witch's Blood, and they're done by a local filmmaker named Ryan Scott Weber, who uh, has done a lot of oh. filming in New Jersey and did a little bit up in Salem, and there are some sexy witches in that. Hey, local independent cool. horror. We always, always plug the local independent horror around here. So please, and Hell make yeah. sure you send me that link so I can put it on my Facebook page because I always want to make sure. Yeah, I, I, I was with yeah. the... Uh, that was Diane Demko. I had met her in New Jersey for Iron Band Vampire, and so I was like got to tap into that part of the scene for a while. That was pretty cool. So uh, now I'm in Maryland, and I do cult Cthulhu is our thing down here. We don't do sexy witches right now, but uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm digressing because I actually have another caller on the line, and I'm going to bring him into this conversation. So Jay, are you staying with us for a little bit longer, or? Um, I have to. I actually have to get off. I've got to get everything shut down. Oh, I understand. You're a busy, busy man, and just come in for a few more minutes. Is there any? Uh, please plug your show, the one you just did today, uh, and the one uh, you're going to do it's next. It's the Horror week. Happens Radio Show, HorrorHappens.com, and uh, you can check it out. It's played on four different uh, streaming networks, and uh, go to HorrorHappens.com. You'll find out everything you need to know to find out about the show and the up and coming lineups. And and give ghosts awesome. my love. That's his. That's his engineer slash significant other. And uh, oh, the ghost. you know, yeah, the ghost. So give us, give her, give her our love. And uh, and please, I listen will. To I will. Jay's you guys show. keep cutting in and out. <laughs> Oh no! Well, the, the sound uh, block talk. You don't even want to know. Like I, I, I'm always having sound problems with this show. Even when it's perfect, it still has to have something go wrong. So anyway, uh, but thank uh, you, no Jay. worries whatsoever. Listen it's part Jay's of the demons show. that play with the lights. Yep. Have a good one, and we will call in. Actually, call in in three weeks on our best of the web show. Um, we're talking good. about doing Sounds that. Good. So Ladies. please call in. We're gonna go ahead. I would say, ladies, thank you so much for having me tonight, and uh, I appreciate the time and being a part of the show. Thank awesome. you for coming so on. We'll talk, talk in three weeks. Talk in three yep. weeks and good. pleasant nightmares. Good night. <laughs> now. So as Jay is leaving and heading off into his scary New Jersey world, which, by the way, he lives very close to where the original Camp, Camp Crystal Lake is. I actually lived there as well for a while in the in northern New Jersey. I am now bringing on someone that's a little bit more north than New Jersey. He comes all the way from Canada, and he is my Woo! man, uh, Horror, Horror 101 Podcast. And uh, we want to welcome... Uh, Andrew Damien, a.k.a. Cash Wampum. How you doing? Welcome. You're on with the Sexy Witches. Hey, thanks for having me on the Archivist Bet on Sexy Witches. Say that five times yes. as fast as you can. I dare you. <laughs> well, that's why we call it the Sexy Witches for short, because it's just a little easier to say. So, uh, yeah, you know, I can't uh, even say the one sentence. <laughs> I've been no, listening since okay. about quarter after nine, and you guys got a great show going. You guys had uh, Count Gordeval on earlier. That was great. And it was fun talking to J.K. I was making notes earlier. I'm like, well, what can I talk about? Sexy witches. Yeah, I'll talk about this, talk about that, talk about this. And then J.K. was striking my list off. He was talking about <laughs> all the things I was going to bring up. I'm like, no, Jay, shut up. Don't say that. <laughs> well, you know Jay is the man. 
He, he does know quite a bit, you know. I, I, I was actually kind of concerned about that. But then he threw out that independent horror at the end, which, I, you know, I got to remember cool. to love the local guys, too. So uh, so uh, do you have a sexy witch movie that you, like, when it comes to mind, you go, yeah, she's my favorite sexy witch? Oh, I don't know. Uh, like, I think sexy witches, and I think something like, like you said, way in the beginning there, Witches of Eastwick, Susan Sarandon and Cher and Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, if you want sexy witches, that's going to be about as sexy as you can get. But then you got, you know, I, I Barbara Steele even before that in the 50s with Mario Bava. You guys were, J.K. was looking for uh, w- um, witch movie directors. How about Mario Bava? He did the Black, uh, Black Sunday back in the, in the 50s or 60s there. Uh, and, you know, and he can even throw Black Sabbath in there for good measure. I mean, he's always had sure. strong women in his movies anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Mario Bava is a badass. So, yes, we will talk about it. And I just saw Black Sunday on the big screen this year at the Colonial Theater, the, the Italian Splatterfest. So that was really neat to see Barbara Steele tied up and, you know, nailed to with, with things on her face. So beautiful. It was a lot of fun. So, um uh, you know, we we were talking about the sexy witch stereotype and some of the things that bother us too. Like, uh, you know, she was talking about how you know about youth, and they were talking about brooms, which is interesting because I was joking. That's like the only thing that actually is real, almost, <laughs> almost. I stress almost. Uh, so, um, you know, is it something that the sexy witch is stereotype? Is it a, a positive thing or a negative thing, or is it just a thing? I mean, in your mind, uh, you know, when you when you to think me it's about, just, it's like, just a thing. And if we're talking about movies, we're talking about fiction, right? We're not talking about real witches or Wiccan or anything like that. We're talking about a character oh, in a movie, and, and and it could be anything. It could be like you guys were talking about Macbeth, the the horrid old crones, or some of my favorites growing up that scared the hell out of me was uh, the witches in. Um, Oh, what was it? The, the Clash of the Titans, the, the blind witches with the oh. eye. The Stygian you know, witches. But yeah, well, I love the Stygian witches. They're awesome. <laughs> but whether they're sexy or not, I don't know. It's just a it's it's just a plot device. It and it it really doesn't matter to me. I mean, if you if you're gonna be naked in a, a a sexy witch picture, I'd rather you be like Michelle Pfeiffer than the old crones in Macbeth. That's that's from a male perspective. <laughs> But but the crones and breath are more correct. I mean, you know, and, and, you know that's actually one of the things I like to I did like about Lords of Salem is that you know there you've got three women. All the youngest one is in her late fifties, buck naked, yeah. casting spells, and I did appreciate that. So yeah. <laughs> most of those ladies were not, uh, you know, it, it, it's just. It, it's rough, <laughs> you know, and that's that was their craft, right? And uh, I actually, to be honest, I, I I crap on Rob Zombie a lot. I didn't like his Halloween films and stuff like that. I get a lot of guff for that. Uh, but that movie there, I was transfixed. So there was something about that film that just made me watch the whole thing, and I enjoyed it. I really did for whatever. For whatever. I know, uh, Liz, you said you had problems with it, you know, the setting and stuff like that. But I, I, as far as Rob Zombie films go, I really enjoyed that one. You know, I, I do validate with it about him becoming a filmmaker because he definitely has matured. You can see it through the body of his work that he's becoming more, you know, he's stepping away from the flash and pan and becoming more controlled as a, as a director. And I do appreciate and validate that. I just want to see him take that energy from his earlier work and take his maturity and just blow our minds away. And I haven't seen it yet. And I know he has it in there, 
maybe we'll be surprised, and maybe his next film will be it. So uh, you yeah. mentioned, like uh, I said, my. Go ahead. Yeah, you mentioned the the producers having a big say in what your final product is, and that probably has a lot to do with it. Maybe he wanted something different to come out, something that would have appealed to you a little bit better, and may have been a little bit more authentic. But the producers are like, we don't want authentic; we want tickets sold. So do this kind yeah. of deal. It's it's, well, it's very cool. Yeah. You know, I, I I don't know why. Like I said, I did feel like that um, that was a Salem pulled punches, and then when I read the book, it totally did. I, I was like, wow, this book is much more intense than what I saw on screen. But at the same time, you know what? It, you know, the book is always better than the movie. It's just I, it's just unusual that the book came after, right? So right. you know, you can you can explore more with a book. You always can. You can go into deep details, and you know, and I'm sure he could go back and fix things that he couldn't. You know, once the film's made, you you can't. Not all of us can be George Lucas and fuck with your film for the rest of your life. You know, right. <laughs> you, you know, we gotta put it down at some point and work on the next one at least in theory uh that's so, right um um now uh, uh, queenie is there anything else we yeah. want to add because you know we also are pushing uh it's it's ten thirty, so we still have a few more minutes but i was also going we're going to have a small community calendar in a few minutes where i'm just going to talk about some of the amazing halloween screenings all over the united states and i'm sure Andrew, Mr. Cash here, you would want to hear. There's some cool shit happening in the the continental U.S. right now. So uh, let's stick on our our sexy witch uh, uh, topic a little bit longer. Is there any sexy witch movies that you're like watched? Like, and I don't mean like 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 a comedy like like Sabrina. Even though we did mention that Sabrina is probably on the low end of the sexy witch spectrum. Even though my husband has the hots for her, uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, 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 is there any like films that you just watched and you're like wrong sauce, covered in wrong sauce? Films that I've watched that are covered in wrong sauce when it comes to witchcraft. Yeah, yeah, it's like covered yeah. in rock sauce. Well, and if you can't find that, recently. just give me a. Go ahead. I couldn't hear you, sweetie. Not anything recently. No, I haven't seen anything that's been like, oh, this just offends me to look at. But uh, usually, I just kind of grin and bear it. So, like, the worst is like Charmed. I don't like Charmed. I think Charmed is the worst show that ever existed. And it's like there's not even consistency within itself. You know what I mean? Like just I can't I can't watch it. It gives me a headache. So I guess that's something that I yeah, Charm. There it is. There it is. That's the thing for me. <laughs> I, I I never watched Charm, though they are in the Sexy Witch Gallery because well, it is Rosario, you know, Rose McGowan and Shannon Doherty, and you know, so we gotta yeah, give them a little people, bit of shout right? out. They, they, yeah. They're very beautiful people, absolutely. Uh, but they're kind of you know, like I, dull as actresses. They have, like, no substance. And the show has no substance. They just take whatever freaking witch thing of the day, and then they do that, and then they have a boring story around it. And the, by tomorrow's episode, you know, nothing happens. You know, there's no consistency. Like, they have plots that have plot holes within plot holes. Like that's what I'm talking about here. <laughs> like I can't, I can't watch that because I need a good story. That's just me as personal pet peeve. I like a good story. I can put up with a bunch of things, but if the story isn't consistent, you lose me. 
So that's my rant. Well, so, so Buffy, yes. We like the sexy witches in Buffy, I assume, because, you know, we Absolutely. haven't talked much about Buffy because Willow is the most awesome of the sexy witches. But, oh, uh, you know, beautiful. but not so much for Charmed. But uh, I did want to mention before we go off the air about sexy witches, first of all, we got to give a shout out to Tim Curry. Because he was in a, a TV show called the Wor- a Canadian TV show, and uh, Mr. Casser called the Worst yeah. Witch. You know, I have that song in my and, head as you said it. <laughs> uh, and, and so I, I always, you know, I always thought when I saw what Worst Witch when I was a kid because it came, it got imported, and I watched the show. I always thought for sure that J.K. Rowling had completely ripped off that particular movie and TV series. Uh, if you, you know, Harry Potter owes everything to the Worst Witch and Tim Curry's headmaster. Oh, I, I still, I still believe that to this day. So I agree. <sighs> Uh, there's also one more, I also wanted to give a, 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 a one more shout out to a, a sexy witch that's animated, but I think she's actually a positive sexy witch role. And I love her. And her name is Thorne. And she was on the Hex Girls, which was on a TV a movie called Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost in 1999. Mm. Uh, Scoob, Scooby-Doo released four or five really decent Scooby-Doo films. In the 90s. And uh, one of them was uh, the famous one that everyone watches is Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island, which is the first time they actually, like, come across a real metaphysical creation. And believe me, they lose it. Uh, you know, they, after all these years of solving groovy mysteries, they're now actually fighting real supernatural creatures. But Thorne is, is, is a Wiccan, and she's actually the subplot of that whole story is her trying to get dad to accept her. Huh? Whoa. You still there? Who's all? Hello. I'm still we're here. here. We're here. We're here. Wow. Okay. With Quinny. Quinny, you're here. I hear yep. you. Wow. We've been sexy witches. They don't want us to talk about this subject, do they? Uh, so, <laughs> so, but I wanted to give a shout out to Thorn, you know, because I think she was actually like one of the first positive Wiccan pagan role models I saw in a in a in a t- in a mainstream kids show. Whoa, she's trying to come out of her boom closet with her father. That's kind of heavy, you know. So, um, uh, so there's still witches. There's witches everywhere, and we didn't even talk about Angel Heart and Lisa Bonet. There's another sexy witch, the Golden Compass. Is the the Golden Compass series? Nicole Kidman was a sexy witch. Michelle White Pfeiffer has played two sexy witches, and Stardust is a great film. So I I would recommend Stardust. Uh, Let's see, uh, Andrew Cash, Cash, some more. Give me some more. Sexy witches. Well, you guys already brought up Warlock. I figured uh, Julian Sands. I've never known a woman in my life who didn't like Warlock only because of Julian Sands. And I'm one of the rare people that think uh, Anthony Hickox's Warlock 2 Armageddon is a much better film than the first one. But uh, I've actually never uh, seen I, I really it. enjoyed the uh, Warlock films. Uh, I, I you got to watch one and two. One. I do, I do. And there's a lot of sex witches on TV right now. We've got Penny Dreadful. We've got Sam. Yeah. And, of course, we had uh, American oh. Horror Story Coven, which right now I think is a better season than the current one we're getting. Uh, so, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, so there's, there's, there's sexy witches everywhere, folks. So look for your sexy witches. We are here. We're here to stay. 
And remember, it's not about being sexy. It's not about being a witch. It's all about confidence. So you can be male, female. It doesn't matter as long as you have the power, and we all do. So, uh, so sexy witches are awesome. And but we do have more to talk about, folks, on archivist bits on sexy witches because we got 15 more minutes. We got to talk about our community calendar because once again, this is not just about. Folks, this is a podcast about fandom and geek girls and genre. And so I always put on, before we um, talk about the screenings in the area, a little bit of, uh, I call it my community calendar music. Um, Cash, just so you know, it's Figment from Dawn of the Dead. So Wait <laughs> on. It's, a pretty obvious, it's a pretty obvious piece, but this is my sexy witch community calendar. I, I always wanted to have a community calendar uh, growing up because when I would wake up in the morning, they would always have these really weird ones where they would like show like shots of pretty mansions. And today at the Academy of Sciences, we have a special screening at blah, blah, blah. So I wanted to do one for the horror community. So I do one for every show. So I wanted you to join us for this segment because I thought you'd get a kick out. And if you know any great stuff in Canada, please let's add it to this list, okay? Okay. Okay. So, all right, so first things first, it's going to be a short one today. Usually we have a lot more stuff, but I wanted to mostly concentrate in the next two weeks. Um, starting on 1029, the coolest thing in probably in the United States is happening. Uh, the East-West players in L.A. are having a special screening of The Prince of Darkness, John Carpenter's film on 1029, in the actual church that is now a theater. Um, that the film was shot in, and you can go there. It's been sold out for, what, I think, Queenie, we've been talking about this screening for two months now, I think. Uh, yeah, it's completely much. sold out, but you could still find ways. I've noticed there's tickets on Craigslist, so there's ways to get into this thing. So uh, uh, go, if you're in the L.A. area, I would say it's probably one of the hottest tickets for Halloween, and that's at on 1029. Um, speaking of which, if you can't go see Cool Prince of Darkness in L.A., nationwide and in Canada, Halloween is going to be released for one day in the theater. So if you've never seen the original John Carpenter's Halloween in the theaters, it's going to play. And believe it or not, it actually reads so much more powerful on the big screen than it is on the little one. And because it's, uh, it'll, I don't really consider Halloween a slasher cash. I actually consider it... A, a, a more of a thriller because you know it, it doesn't have the pacing of a of a of, of a slasher and the kills are important but they're not the main focus of the story. So I would say what? it's a slasher. Absolutely, it's a slasher with taste, uh, right? It's not focusing on the gore. Okay. It's not focusing on the violence, but the violence is very important. Okay, but it's I all done with too, taste. But, but that's the thing. It's it really about the mood. There's a lot of darkness and mood and atmosphere, and there's a lot of, like, on the downtime, a sense of dread all through it, even with, to the point, you know, she's just walking down the street, and he's just standing there, you know, and that's it. It's the whole shot. It totally works, and, you know, and so go see it in the theaters. It's nationwide. Uh, FathomEvents.com has the listings. Uh, a smaller independent film also drops the same day, and I wanted to recommend uh, Scout's Guide to the Apocalypse. Which is just a horror comedy. Uh, it looks fabulous. It, it and Turbo Kid, 
have been the two in things to see this uh, this uh, holiday holiday season. So look for Scout's Guide to the Apocalypse. It opens this weekend, starting on the 29th. And so, uh, so there's things in the regular theaters to see as well. Um, going back to a, a horrorthon. Uh, now, last weekend was the Exhumed 24-Hour Film Festival in, in Philadelphia, which is a pretty amazing thing. It's 24 hours of horror films, and you have no idea what's going to play. I had tickets to go. I was supposed to be there. Mitigating circumstances totally threw that out the window at the last minute. But I wanted to say it's an inspiration to other people because now Alamo Draft House is starting to do their own. And their first one is going to be Halloween. It's called Dismember the Alamo. And it's the one Alamo Yonkers um, in New York is the one that's actually going to have this horathon. You will not know what's playing until you're there. So if you want to go see a inaugural ground floor Horror marathon on this coast, Alamo Draft House. I can't recommend their brand enough. They've changed my life. When they invited me to BNAT in in 2006, it changed my life forever. So go go support the Alamo Draft House if you have one near you. Uh, that sounds like a great time. You're, uh, you're you're near. You're closer. You could probably drive there. <laughs> Actually, we're about we're, the equal distance. I would say you're about six hours. I'm four hours. So you know we can meet drive. in the middle. Long yeah, drive, hey, it's worth it. Uh, you know, he's you know, Queenie, he's based out of uh, north of Toronto. So at some point, we should go really? say hi. She's she's from, from Ottawa, Ottawa, by the way. I used to live in Toronto, actually. Right on, fellow Canadian. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ottawa and Toronto to are two completely different worlds, though. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, going. Going back to another awesome thing, because L.A. always has the awesome things, and it's so not fair sometimes. The Hollywood Bowl on 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 Halloween, okay? Danny Elfman is hosting a screening of Nightmare Before Christmas as he conducts the orchestra. Ouch. Right in the field. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. I mean... Oh, I know. It's friggin' L.A., man. Oh, I mean, how would you not want to do that? I mean, that sounds awesome. You can get tickets, Hollywood Bowl tickets. Uh, I was like, wow, Danny Elfman. Um, And, of course, this weekend is the big elephant in the room, Uh, Cash. uh, We have Ash and versus Evil Dead on Stars on Television. Mm -hmm. That's the last pick of the week. Uh, You know, why? my whole life has been based on this TV show, and I had no idea it was until it existed. So here we are. It's finally here, and I'm going to have to break down it by cable just so I can watch this damn TV show. So. <laughs> There's a bunch of things, like um, the elevator is uh, going to be showing, too. Oh, yeah, the elevator uh, premiered yeah, elevator. last week. We love the twins up yeah. here. How, how is that show? Have you watched it? Oh, yeah, well, got a those guys, to. but... I haven't, I haven't seen it yet either. So the elevator, never seen it. Yeah. It's a game show. It's a game show with the Soska sisters, who also happen to be Canadian. Is that right? Like yes, we, they I'm are. just surrounded by Cana- I'm just surrounded by Canadians right now. What's up? We're with taking that? over. It's not. A, <laughs> it's not a bad thing, actually. Uh, you know, but it's a TV show, Cash, about. Um, uh, it's a horror-related, like Fear Factory themed. TV show, game show, was in the Hosko <laughs> Sisters of the Producers of it. So, yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah. I'll have no, to look for that. really cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, look for that. So yeah, I, oh, thank you for reminding me about Elevator. I put it on my list. Okay. So, uh, well, and that's it for the community <laughs> calendar. I told you it was a short one tonight because you know we, we put got. Can you uh, put yes, one more thing can. out there? Living Deathcon no, is coming up in November. Oh uh, yes. November. Yes. Hold on, give me a sec. November thirteenth to fifteenth in Oregon. Yes. Portland, Oregon. And if you want to be on the panel, that is and I'm what, working it. And, and and definitely meet my girl Queenie at the Living Dead, and we'll talk about that too because we're in three weeks. We'll come back on. We're going. We're still not quite okay. a full two two month. Uh, every usually our podcast is every is is twice a month. We're going to wait three more weeks, and in three weeks we will do our best of 2015, which we are going to talk about movies. We're going to talk specifically about our favorite conventions. Uh, we're going to talk about our favorite things on the web. I'm going to mention Horror 101 podcast, obviously, because cool. it's one of my favorite things on the web. And uh, and please listen to Cash's show. Cash, we only have a few more minutes. Plug your show and tell them what it's about. Horror101.ca. It's uh, it's a very uh, tightly edited show. We talk about uh, the best in horror, whether it's new or old. If uh, if you haven't seen it by the time you're done listening to our show, you're going to be running to see these films. So go check us out at horror101.ca. Uh, one of the things I like about your show, Cash, is that you take a film, and some of you have seen it, and some of you aren't, and you kind of deep dive into it. And it's what, it concentrates pretty much on one, unless it's something like Wes Craven, unfortunately, passing. For the most part, you're concentrating on one singular show. And I, uh, and I really appreciate that, because then you, get, you give us a lot of great tidbits, and yes, they have some of the best editing. So I love Cash's show. So listen to Horror 101, Educating Your Scares. One of my favorite episodes is your blob episode. That episode. Oh, did you like that one? That was a fun one to make. I love your blob episode. Everyone's just, oh, you guys are so funny and so on point on that one. It's great. And even though you didn't like. That's one of the remakes that we really liked. Oh, and it's a fun remake. And even though you guys didn't like They Live as much, uh, I really like listening to that episode as well when you were talking about Rowdy's passing this year. So uh, thank you for doing that show as well. So, and I mentioned that at the end of the film. show. I mentioned that at the end of the show. I'm like, if Rowdy Piper hadn't passed away, this show would probably be something else. But since he did pass away, let's immortalize him by focusing on John Carpenter's They Live. That, that was the motivation to drive that show. It was fun to make. Yeah, so that's great. Thank you for doing all that. So uh, do you have a show coming up? I wanted to record yesterday, but nobody was available, so I'm going to have to wait until next Monday after Halloween. But I'm pretty sure the next show, nobody knows this, by the way, will be Reanimator. Because world-famous Brian Stewart, he loves Jeffrey Combs. He loves his voice work, he loves his Star Trek work, his horror work, but he's never, ever seen a Reanimator film. And I'm like, if you've never seen Jeffrey Combs as Herbert West, you aren't living. So I'm sitting him down in uh, Cult Sensation, Nick McPherson. We're going to watch uh, Reanimator, and I think that's going to be the next show. That's That'll be a fun show to put together. Because I know he's going to love it. it here. His eyes are going to be popping out of his head. 
You heard it here, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, Reanimator is the next show, Horror 101 Podcast. And Reanimator is fun to talk about no matter what you're doing. Their show's going to be a blast. So definitely. And uh, Stuart Gordon's one of my favorite directors. So speaking of sexy witches, Dolls has sexy witches. And that's just my, one of my favorite Stuart Gordon movies. So hey, there it goes back to sexy witches. So, uh, Absolutely. so thank you, Tosh, for being on the show. And I would invite you possibly to call in on the 17th of November. That's three weeks from now when we have our best no. website. So if you want to talk about your favorite websites and uh, horror blogs across the, and genre across the web and the Internet, because there's a lot. We all read different things, and there's so much out there. You just got to look for it. So, uh, oh, I know. Please do so I know, yeah. D- drop me a line and uh, let me know. I'll, I'd love to come back. All Thank right. you very much for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate yeah, it. So it's it, in three weeks, we're going to have him back on the show, and maybe Jay as well, and uh, maybe at the same time. That'll be interesting. And that's 17th, our best of the web show. And then we'll be on another break for about a month, but not quite. It'll be the 15th of December, and, of course, that's going to be the big Star Wars show. So we're going to end our first season of Archivist Best on Sexy Witches with a tribute and a little bit of worry about the upcoming new uh, Force Awakens movie. So that's all looking forward to. I hope you all come back and listen to it. Once again, I want to thank my guests. I want to thank I want to thank Gore Duvall and Beth Accomando in the first hour. I want to thank J.K. on the Horror Happens radio show for calling in. And, of course, Andrew Damien, uh, my cash wampon from Canada. Thank you for calling in as well. And Queenie as well, always. Thank you, my sexy witch, for being on the show with me. You are very welcome, my lady. Oh, my, my lady, pleasure. we're so glad you it was so much fun. I'm going to bring all us all out with a little bit of Frankie, and you guys have a good evening. Thank you, everyone out there in television and radio land. Blessed be and good film hunting. I hope you have a good evening, and happy sewing and Halloween, everyone. Those fingers in my head that sly come hither stare That strips my conscience bare It's witchcraft And I've got no defense for it The heat is too intense for it What good would common sense for it do? Cause it's witchcraft Wicked witchcraft And although I know It's strictly taboo When you arouse the need in me My heart says yes indeed in me Proceed with what you're leading me to It's such an ancient pitch But one I wouldn't switch Cause there's no nicer witch than you